three that we briefly talked about last time we got together. And so we will just run through those things just to refresh, and then we'll get into some areas that we have not touched yet in Genesis chapter 3. So let's look at verse 1 in Genesis chapter 3. Verse number 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, the serpent said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. One of the things I want to point out to you in the text that we just read as we go through and dissect some of the teachings in Genesis here, the woman said, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, so far all correct, God had said, ye shall not eat of it, correct, but then she went and says, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye shall die. God never said anything about touching it. Anytime we add to God's word or take away from God's word, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. Revelations chapter 22 verse 18 says this, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, talking about the Bible, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So the scriptures are clear that we must not add nor take away from God's word. So that's going to challenge us to study, to show ourselves approved. Uh, We have to be a whole lot more careful. We can't throw scriptures out cavalierly, just, oh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. No, get into the word of God, understand the word of God, and make sure you quote the word of God. One thing I know is that God will respond to his word as it is written. Proof of that, he told the devil, it is written. So when you quote the word of God, it is written, then God will respond. But if you're quoting your idea of what you think the scripture says, then there's no power in that. So it's very important. So Eve got herself jammed up because... She misquoted what God said. Verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. Watch this now. And when the woman saw, somebody say saw, 
that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. Somebody say pleasant to the eyes. A tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. John, first John chapter two, first John chapter two, we study in the Bible, studying the book of Genesis, first John chapter two, verse 16 and 17. Verse 16 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world and the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever we sin because we are drawn away by our own lusts, flesh, eye, and pride of life. Now, go back to that text and look at what that text said in verse number six. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and that and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took up the fruit. And did eat. So let me work from bottom up. She took up the fruit thereof and did eat. That's lusting of the flesh. See how far? It's what brought us down as people. So the first thing that usually happened to us when we usually get drawn away and we start sinning, our flesh start lusting for something. The other thing that will mess with us is, it says, a tree to be desired to make one wise. Pride of life. Pride start messing with us. So between our fleshly desires, our pride, and the lust from our eyes, those are the three ways we normally get caught in sin. That's what begins to stir you. That's what caused you to get tempted is your eyes, your flesh, and pride. So anytime you let God down, you fail God, one of those three things got you jammed up. Go back and look. If you're not praying like you should, that's your flesh. If you're not fasting like you should, that's your flesh. The other things, you see something and you go after it because it looks good. That's the lust of the eyes. Then you desire to be the top of or the head of or the leader of or and when you desire that, that's the pride of life. So we're all going to be tempted in those areas. And that's how we normally fall. James chapter 1 verse 14 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. So we're tempted not with things that cannot tempt us. You can't tempt me with a pork chop. 
<laughs> you can you can you can be the best cook around and you cook a nice pork chop. All seasoned up and looking good. Your pork chop will not tempt me because I don't eat pork. We're tempted by things that we lust after. So it's only the things that you lust after that you will be tempted to do. And that's why we can never really say the devil made me do it. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing that you must look at that um, happened with Adam and Eve when they sinned against God is that something we don't pay enough attention to, but they gave Satan control in their life. When God's word is written or God speak to you and you don't do it, you're given control of your life to yourself or to Satan. When we disregard the word of God, we are given control of our life over to God. I'm sorry, to the devil or to ourself. So we have to pay attention to that. God bless you. So not obeying God's word is a whole lot more than that. It's not just not obeying God's word. What we're saying is. I have more trust in me or the devil than I do God. That's what we're doing. And sometimes we don't look at these things for what they are. And so that's what caused us to go ahead and do them. But if we will look at these things for for what they really are, then use some pre-rail, man. <laughs> Try to keep everybody from getting sick. <laughs> and so and and so that that's what we're doing. We're giving control over to Satan and ourselves when we disregard God's word. And if we look at it like that, it may help us to fully embrace God's word because when you do what you want, you are saying, "I can handle this better than God can." Hmm. When they ate the fruit, they received their reward. Can I tell you this? Satan set us up from the very beginning. Anytime you're drawn away by your own lust, you're tempted by your own lust, you will get the reward. And I think that's what the devil play on with us a lot of times. The devil play on Our reward is with the Lord when he comes, our ultimate reward. Yes, we'll be blessed and a lot of good things will happen while we're living this life and living for God. Yeah, there are things, but the ultimate reward is with the Lord when he comes for us. And so what the big trick that the devil play on all of us is he tries to get us to get instant gratification of reward as opposed to waiting on God's reward. Adam and Eve got their reward. When they ate that fruit, their eyes was open and they knew good and evil. That's what the devil told them. So if you eat the fruit, you will be as God and you will know good and evil. That's true. And so they ate the fruit and got their reward. Now, 
Got a little bit to say about that in a little bit. I'll tell you something about that in a little bit. So they received their award. They obtained the knowledge that they aspired for. But at what cost? See, we'll get our reward when we seek after what we want. When we disregard God and we seek after what we want, we will get it. I mean, we read in in Genesis where uh, they build a tower of Babel, right? And and they weren't even listening to God. They just did it on just men getting together and doing it. So we know whatever we set out to accomplish as men, and I'm talking about mankind, we can accomplish things when we put our mind to it and do it. That's not impressive. To be impressive is to obey God, not do what you think you're brilliantly gifted to do. Not impressed with brilliantly gifted people, not when I'm living for God. Because I realize I have God living in me, and all he has to do is do something supernaturally brilliant through me, and, you know, I'm not impressed by it. And we shouldn't be, as Christians, be impressed by skills and abilities. We need to be impressed by what God does. And so they got what they want, but the question is, at what cost? At what cost? However you decide you want to live, the question is, at what cost? And here is what I've been saying for years. Sometimes we as Christians calculate the cost that we think it will be in our mind. Only God ju- can really judge. And what we do sometimes is, I know if I do this, um, I'm going to reap from it, and this is what may happen. And that always get us because we think we know what the judgment or the consequence will be when that's not up to us. You can do whatever you want, but the consequence is not up to you. And so we can't we can't calculate in our mind that, well, this is not so bad. I'll do it because it's not so bad and God is merciful. That's all true. But everything we do has a consequence. And we can't deceive ourselves in thinking we know what the consequence will be. So let me just go ahead and do it and I'll deal with the consequence. You're not the one responsible for pronouncing judgment. It's God. So he determined what your consequence will be and you will never really know. I got this under control. I can deal with this. It's not like I'm going to do it and I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to repent. I hear all that. But there's a consequence. And sometimes that consequence is so heavy that it leads you into other things you didn't think you would do. Verse number seven. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Eating the fruit caused them to realize their change of state. So while they were not in sin, they were innocent to who they were and everything. So life was just great. Innocent is really good. The older you get and the more you start knowing, the more challenge life becomes. There's a price that comes with knowing. So they ate the fruit and caused them to realize their their state. Therefore, they hid themselves with fig leaves. Hmm. Can I say this? 
be careful of uh, seeking out knowledge. That's a big, you can preach that message because Adam and Eve sinned because pride of life was involved. And that pride says, I need to know. <laughs> There's a lot of people walking around saying, I just need to know. And I learned a long time, I don't need to know everything. Some stuff just don't even tell me. I don't need to know. Because I realized a long time ago, especially being a manager, Brother Darrell, some things, for instance, I'll give you a good for instance. If someone comes to you, Brother Darrell, and you're a manager, and they feel like they, they are being harassed, and they throw in, I feel uncomfortable around that person, and they say things that makes me uncomfortable. He got to talk about it. He, he can't walk away from that. Right? If he walk away from it and something come of it, his job is done. So there's certain code where we know that when, as, as a manager, a leader, whoever you are that's in charge of whatever group of people and you're in charge, when they start saying stuff like uncomfortable, I feel uncomfortable around them. They say things that's uncomfortable. Uh, you know, they touch me inappropriately. You start hearing that kind of conversation. As a manager, as a leader, you have to do something. You don't need to know everything. As a manager, when sometimes people want to sit down with you, they want to talk. Can I tell you something? I said, stop. I don't want to know nothing personal. Because once they tell you something personal, it's like if they tell you, um, I have this illness and every two weeks it gets really bad and you want to write them up for coming in or calling out sick. That won't fly because they're going to tell you, they're going to tell HR, I met with her and I told her about my sickness and she said it was okay and you're in trouble. So we like to go and seek knowledge. I just need to know and I'm here to tell you, you only need to know what God said you need to know. We don't like that, though, because we always want to know. Trying to seek irrelevant knowledge sometimes, all because we just need to know it will destroy us. I just want to know. Why? When you know some things, it's going to cause you to do more work. You're going to have to get fig leaves and so. Before Adam and Eve knew what they knew, they didn't have to get no fig leaves and sew and make aprons so they can put on. They were just walking around free because they didn't know. But as soon as they found something out, now they have to do something. So you wanting to know is going to cost you some work, some activity. Then once you know, you have to wrestle with some Thoughts. People always ask me about this all the time. And, oh, you know, I get these thoughts. I say, you will get them until you die. That's the trick in trying our best to start living for God at an early age. See, if you start living for God at an early age, you will experience more righteousness and goodness than you will if you wait for a long time. When you wait for a long time and you finally get converted, you still have to think about all of those things that you had did before you got saved. They don't go anywhere. Those thoughts don't leave. They, you might suppress them and they, you might not think about them every day, but ever so often, here they come. You remember this? 
So the best thing to do is to not know a whole lot because the more you know, the more you got to wrestle with in your mind. You're trying to pray and here come this thought from left field and you're like, hold on, this is not making sense. How am I praying and I'm getting this horrible thought? The two is not jiving. I'm talking to the Lord and here come this thought just evil. Well, it's probably because of some things you had placed into your mind that you shouldn't have. And that's why you're wrestling with those thoughts. So knowing is not always the things that the thing you need to do, except if it's the word of God. And so the devil caused Adam and Eve to mess with their pride for them to want to know. I want to know. Yes, sir. He was in heaven before, and he rebelled. Uh-huh. Sure, they do. They they they've experienced God and being around God and experience the devil that rebelled against God. So they do. That's not what you're trying to say. What you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Remember, the only way evil start was the devil rebelled. So that's just where evil started. So everybody, all the angels were created. God created the heavens and the earth, everything. So one day he just decided, I'm not going. Well, one day he he decided, I like how God is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. I like that. I want to be like that. And that's where his downfall started. Yeah, it's going to be there. It's going to be there. That's what took us down, and it will always be there. We're living in a sinful world now. So once that's been introduced to us and we sin, that's what the Bible says. Because of one man's sin, sin entered into the world. So we're exposed to sin until Jesus come back for us because Adam sinned against God. So uh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life always before us. We're going to always lust for stuff. We're going to always have pride and want to be something that we shouldn't even be desiring. It will always be there because it's been introduced and we took the line, we, we, we took the bait, hook, line, and sinker. And so now we got to deal with it for the rest of our life while we are on this earth. We don't have a choice. It's there. No. Adam re- disobey God. That wasn't set up. Yeah, but but still, it still comes. It's simple. It's not complicated. The the Lord says, "Don't do this," and the devil came and says, "Oh, please, you can do that." What's set up? Just obey the Lord. What no set up? Just obey the Lord. Yes, sir. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So, if the Bible's saying, so, you know, knowledge, you don't want to go too deep, go to the same token, 
Yeah, it, it, the, the biggest thing is there's two things about that. The knowledge that we seek after is the word of God. That, that, that's what you never put any limits on. The word of God is what you always seek after. Because this is how I've looked at it, and I've experienced it over the years, even on my job. The word of God is so potent. The word of God is so rich and so full that if that's all I know, I know everything. If I know the word of God, I know everything. I don't need to seek after anything because everything about our world, about people, about everything, it's all in God's word. If I know God, I know everything. Hmm? Go ahead. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I said. I said, I said, seeking God's word will get, will give you knowledge for everything. So once you know God and you know God's word, you don't have to worry about all the other stuff because everything that you will need to know to live and to survive and to be victorious, it's all in God. So we're supposed to seek after God. We're supposed to seek his word. That's what we're supposed to worry about. But all this other stuff that we're seeking, that's not what God intended for us to seek, and that gets us in trouble. Yeah. 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 You you seek after God, and you get everything. You see, you got the God, you get everything. Education, I mean, just everything that you need to know to live victoriously, you seek after God and you'll get that. that. That's very important for us to know is that we need to seek after God. Now, even in Hosea, Brother uh, Scarlet, it says the reason why, and, and that was specifically talking about the knowledge of God, they rejected the knowledge when it came. So, so that's another thing too, is why God was able to judge them because he says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. What he's saying is knowledge was revealed to you and you rejected it. So you're going to perish. So that's the next thing. So when we come together and, and, and the word of God is being taught, the word of God is being explained. God has given us understanding and we don't embrace it. We reject it or we don't listen to it, whatever the case may be. Then we're going to get jammed up because knowledge is being imparted and we decide to reject it. So when we reject knowledge, the knowledge of God is remember the, the uh, knowledge of God in the Bible uh, deal with two things. It deals with um, the, the actual knowledge, but it also deal with um, light. Right. When you don't have the knowledge of God, you're in ignorance. You're in darkness. When you have the knowledge of God, you have knowledge and you're in light. So it just works everything for you. So as you move in the knowledge of God, you can see, you can understand if you're moving in the knowledge of God. So it's very important to seek the knowledge of God as opposed to seeking all the other things that we get worried about. Yes, sir. No, discernment is different from the knowledge of God. 
because you can literally go in the Bible and 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 read and cross reference the, the the word of God that you're reading, so you're obtaining knowledge just from reading. Remember, it says faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So we can get into the word of God and get understanding. Discernment is all about the spirit of God. The spirit of God can discern what's going on. It's not you that's brilliant. It's the spirit of God that's trying to tell you be careful, watch out for this. So it's the spirit of God. I'll tell you, I'll show you something why that's clear as the Spirit of God. So, no, discernment is different from knowledge. The knowledge of God that we need to seek out is to seek out understanding of God's Word. We need to seek out understanding of God's Word. A- anyone else? Yes, no? And they heard, verse number 8, Genesis, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Verse 11. And the Lord said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldn't not eat? Lot going on right there. Lot going on. All right. The Lord is all knowing, obviously. So he was aware of their action that they ate the fruit ate from the tree that he told them not to eat, right? So he knew their action. He knew what they, they did, and he knew where they were hiding. But the Lord was seeking a confession from Adam, and that's why he says, where are you? He was leading Adam to confess that he had disobeyed him. How good is God? Because here's the story. When we mess up, We're supposed to go to him and say, we messed up. But in this particular case, Adam messed up and God went to Adam to try to get him to confess that he messed up. So we learn a lot from that to understand that we need to go to God. God was teaching us something that when we sin, we don't run away from him. We run to him. Unfortunately, we're still struggling with that because when we're sinning, we stop coming to church. When we're sinning, we don't want to talk to nobody from church. When we're sinning, we stay on the down low and we just kind of, let me stay away from everybody. You cannot be helped when you're sinning and you stay away from God, the people of God, the power of God. You're just digging a deeper hole for yourself. Man, I learned this thing, man. And the biggest thing that I've learned and I try to tell people is I don't care what nobody wants to think about me when it comes down to my relationship with God. You can judge me. You can say whatever you want. But you're not the one that determines whether I go to heaven or not. He does. And so whatever I have to do to make it right with him, that's what I'm going to do. And you can sit in the background and complain and say all your little smart marks. I don't care. I don't care. So if you if you see me out there and I messed up and I come to church the next day, you can sit back and talk about, mm, I don't know what he's doing in here. He's just living like a, a heathen. 
you're stupid for saying that. Because if you know God, you will know I'm doing the right thing. Right? Even if I don't get it right the day you see me come to church after I messed up, I'm coming back again. Sooner or later, it's going to be all right. But I got to keep coming because that's the place where I'm going to get help. If I stay away, I'm getting worse. So if you see me messing up and I'm never in church, it means I'm getting worse and worse and worse and worse. That's what it means. So when we when we mess up and things go, you know, I remember we used to always laugh and kid about, you know, husband and wife married and, you know, something didn't go right in the home that morning and they come to church and one of them is just shouting and dancing and the other one is looking, rolling their eyes like, hypocrite. <laughs> we were so silly. That wasn't being hypocritical. God didn't do anything to you. So just because me and you didn't have it going on in the morning, why should I not praise God? We are so slow. <laughs> Oh, God should never suffer or we should never put God on hold because of our issue with people. Because the only way we're going to straighten our straighten out our issue with people is to go to God. And when God help us, then we can go to that person and straighten out the issue. But if I don't go to God, then me and you going to hold grudge for a long time. Oh, somebody, somebody help me. If we, if, if we hold, if we get into it and, and we don't get it right with God, oh man, we walk around holding grudges. Yeah. So just go to church and praise God. Your spirit will be right. And you're like, you know what? Don't even worry about what happened this morning. I'm all good. I don't have nothing against you. We all good. Don't even worry about it. So the Lord was aware of everything. He was just trying to get them to just confess their sin. Adam should have been the one who was seeking after God to repent of his sin instead of hiding himself. So let's not hide when we mess up. This is not this kind of church where you mess up and you feel like, oh, I can't go to church. Just remember me telling you this. When you mess up, that's the time you can't afford not to come to church. Y'all believe that? Trust me, push through when you're messing up. Come to church when you're messing up because that's where your hope lies. If you don't come to church, it's just going to get worse and you're going to get discouraging like, man, later for church. That's our work. We must seek God. So you want to sit on your couch. You want to lay in your bed. You're just going to say, forget it and go hang out. Let God come and get me. If he want me, let him come and get me. While you're just sinking deeper in sin, you're waiting for God to come and get you instead of you going to go find God. Adam didn't confess his sin. Instead, he blamed his action on Eve. That's another thing we can't do. No matter what anyone did to cause you to sin, you are still the one who committed the act. No matter what anybody did that may have caused you to sin, you're still the one who committed the act. And so you cannot use that as an excuse to say, well, you know, God understands because they did this to me. No, God don't understand that. He already made it clear in the book. If somebody smack one cheek, give the other one. Oh, preacher, you know nobody does that. 
Okay, I hear you. But that's what God expects from us. So if he's expecting that, it does not give us a right to do sinful act because somebody did something to us. We don't have the right. And here we go again. When somebody blatantly did something to hurt you or mess with you and you respond in sin, both of you get judged. I got the scripture for it right now. No. The devil, Eve, and Adam was judged by God. Who got out of judgment? So why do we think that if someone did something to us to cause us to sin, we're justified in responding back in a sinful way? And God understands. God don't understand that. So you can tell yourself that. And you can go ahead and do something to retaliate, but understand, you are getting judged by God as well. And you know what happened? And you're no different than that person that you're trying to act like you were better than. So the person did something to get you all upset, and you responded, bow, right back, and do something wrong to them. You are no different from them. So don't even open your mouth and act like you're better than them. You're not. What makes you better than them is when they do it to you. You said, it's okay, Sharon. I understand. I'm not upset with you. You know, I'll be praying for you. I know God will strengthen you. I'm good with it. I am not going to retaliate because that's not Christian. That's what makes you better. Quiet in the church. Because we like to think these things are just, just, just too much. God, that's just, nobody does that. Okay. Keep on telling God nobody does that. That means he should have never put it in the Bible. And God don't waste words. God don't waste his time. If it's in the book, we need to acknowledge and do it because he wouldn't put it there just for no reason. So retaliation don't work. We, we can't respond to people saying, you know, so Eve, you know, Adam, what Adam said, well, the woman you gave me, God, you gave me this woman and she was the one that caused me. And all God, you know, God didn't waste his words. All he wanted to say is, did she force you to eat the fruit or did you eat the fruit? Right. Same thing. Oh, the, the serpent. Did the serpent pick the fruit and put it in your hand and force it in your mouth? Or did you just go ahead and do it? And the serpent. Did, 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 did I tell you to go and coerce the woman to, to, to disobey my word? So everybody did something wrong and they had to pay a price. You don't want to pay no price when somebody do wrong to you. You got to figure out another way to respond, but not retaliate. Don't retaliate. There is no justification for us sinning in God's eye. Adam and Eve disobeyed God's command and just what God said would happen, it happened. They died spiritually and eventually physically. There are three kinds of death that are mentioned in Scripture. The first death is spiritual death. Spiritual death is separation or man or 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 separate man's spirit from God. So when you die spiritually, it means your spirit was separated from God. Or you can say it, your spirit separated from God's spirit. Whichever way you want to say it. But when you spiritually die, you're, you're not in, your, your spirit is not in communion with God's spirit. You're separated from God. 
The other one obviously is physical death, which means, you know, separates man's spirit and soul from his body. So when we physically die, man, I would love to know what happens at funerals. Now, now I'm going in a different direction these days. Would love to know what happens at funerals. We're there crying. I'm bawling our eyes out and it's just a carcass laying there. And that person's soul and spirit is no longer present in that body. And we're bawling our eyes out. And, and that person is, 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 is someplace else. Pretty interesting, right? But we're bawling our eyes out, but there's someplace else. So that's the physical death. Second death is the third kind of death. And that's an eternal separation of man and God, where God is never again accessible to man. So the second death is the separation between God and man. And you can no longer access God. You're done. You will never able to feel God's presence. You will never be able to connect with God. You will never be able to commune with God. You're done. That's it. Lake of fire. That's the second death. Adam and Eve experienced spiritual death and physical death in the garden. When our spirit is dead because of sin, our soul is also darkened and is subjected to Satan. His influence is now great in our life. So I've been saying what God is what God did when he created us was his spirit was in us ruling our soul, ruling who we are, governing who we are. And who we are would govern what our body do, how we function. And that's how God created us to function. However, when Adam sinned, the Spirit of God no longer was active in him. And now his spirit was dead. It was never, uh, it's, it's no longer being, uh, connected with God. And so now he's operating by a dead spirit ruling his soul. If your soul, if your spirit is dead and, 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 and you're trying to live life, what you're doing now is you're trying to live a life that you are in a, a, a position where you're at, at a disadvantage. Because Satan is smarter than you. He's around longer than you. He's more intelligent than you. And now you have a darkened soul with a spirit that's disconnected from God trying to govern your life. You won't win that battle. That's what's happening to a lot of people. And so we're wondering why this and why. And we weren't about why is all of these things happen? Because people's spirit is dead and there is not the spirit of God governing their spirit so their soul can now be governed by the principles of God. And so if your soul is not being governed by the principles of God, it's just being governed by your dead spirit, then guess what? You will be under the control of Satan. We have proof of that. Once Adam and Eve sinned, Their spirit, the spirit of God no longer was governing their life. And now their spirit was now dead. And that's what they were living by. And the devil just, just, just took over their life. The only way we can be victorious in this world is by the spirit of God governing our spirit, which will govern our soul and our body. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they had the commandments. So they. they uh huh. Uh huh. No, because in Genesis chapter 4, it talked about then men. The, the first recorded prayer. Is in Genesis chapter four. When we sin, one of the things that it caused us to start doing is pray. So we had to pray and seek answers from God. But before that happened, we were just chilling and having a relationship with God. We were in constant communion with God. It wasn't like prayer. Adam and Eve was, you know, remember God says, you know, they met every day. That wasn't prayer. That was communion in, in, in the garden. So they met every day. They fellowship. They hung out. They shared time. And that's what was going on before all of that happened. So when all that happened, the, what, they, what man had to do now, they would, they would still um, have their conscience. So God will, will kind of send signals to their consciousness. And then when they prayed, if God wanted to answer them, he would answer them and give them instruction. Remember, Abraham, he, you know, he spoke to them. So God still spoke to them in that kind of way, but there was a disconnection. It wasn't that intimate relationship like was in the garden because they kind of ruined that relationship. Not really, but I'll take a stab at it. Go ahead. Well, let let me tell you what happened when, um, maybe I can explain like this. When man sinned, they abandoned fellowship with God. When we fellowship things just flow. When we sit around, we talk and we eat food, we crack jokes. That's a relationship of just fellowship. After they messed up, what happened moving forward? All God was doing was communicating what they needed to do for his plan. So most of what you saw them do had nothing to do with fellowship anymore. It it was all like business, if you want to put it that way, because God still had a plan to redeem mankind. And so everything that God was doing was part of his plan to redeem man. But before all of that, man relationship with God was straight like fellowship, hanging out, talking, you know, walking in the cool of the day together. Man, God, you made all of this. Yeah. What do you mean? Give me now. Explain that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We still do it today. Yeah, but they did. So they did back then and people still do it today. It that hadn't changed. 
No, it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. And it's still being done today. They knew that too back then. They knew that too back then. Because God didn't bring two women to Adam. He didn't bring two women. He didn't bring. I think I think it still go back to what I said. I think and and I just think that because they weren't in fellowship, they was living in constant instruction from the Lord regarding his plan. I believe that they just did their thing. You know, they, they did their thing because when your spirit is dead and and you don't have the Holy Spirit guiding you, then you will just do whatever you do. Yeah, but 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 I I got you. But what I'm saying is because their relationship was fractured that wasn't going on. Um, and the best way I can explain that is husband and wife. Relationship gets fractured. They're communicating. They're doing what they're supposed to do. But they don't get back to that intimate part just that easily. Right? So that's what I feel like kind of took place. They, they messed, Adam messed up the intimacy and the fellowship. When he messed up and then God is like, you know what? Just just get this done right now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we'll go with that for now. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, <laughs> it's okay. That's why we're having this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. They're doing, they did wrong because anytime, anytime, let's go bride and husband again. Remember, that's the relationship we're supposed to have with God. Um, where is bride? He's the husbandman. Anytime there is no intimacy, you will end up doing just what you do. Because here is what I know happened. Y'all don't want me to go deep, deep, deep. We got marriage thing tomorrow. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Anytime there is missing elements in relationship, we compensate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but but God was just like he spoke to Noah. He spoke to Adam after that. But what I'm saying is if we look at the conversations after the garden, the conversations were more business, right? God constantly spoke to them and he's given them instruction for his plan, but he wasn't, as we like to say, being chummy with them. There, there, there was nothing like, you know, let's sit down and, you know, you know, we, I didn't, we didn't go till probably about Isaiah, you know, come on, let us reason, 
You know what I'm saying? So, so it took a while for us to get back our place in intimacy and fellowship as opposed to just hearing from God and following God's instruction. And I still think that happens today as Christians that when we're not, yes, we've been born again, but we're not walking right with the Lord. I think that we find ourselves in a place of just following the instructions, but we're not in fellowship. I still think that's happening because because there's something in between us and God that's taken away that fellowship. And I think that's because we don't spend enough time. If we spend enough time, then we'll experience fellowship with God. But if we don't spend enough time, then we're just going to experience the plan of God. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, but, I, but I think that's what's going on with us. Ephesians 2 and 1 says, And ye had he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in times past ye walk according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So what we got to realize is when sin is when when we're not connected with God and our spirit is dead and we don't have the Holy Spirit guiding us, then we are walking by the influences of Satan, whether we want to like it or not. Because Satan, when we sin, we gave over control to Satan. This is remember, God told us to have dominion. But when we sin, we gave over our control to Satan. And now Satan is controlling things around us. And we don't have what it takes to take control because we're governing life by our dead spirit. Sin affects our spirit soul and body. Now, I don't have time to break it all down, but when we sin, our spirit get affected. We, our spirit die. That, that, that we just, a dead spirit. Our soul is now darkened and our body is begin to break down. Physically, we break down because of sin. Did you know that? When you sin a whole lot, especially as a Christian, you start worrying a whole lot. And we know what worry does, right, nurses? So we know that sin will affect you in every way, spiritually, your soul, and your body. So we have to watch out and see what sin is all about and try to make sure we combat sin whenever we mess up. Eventually it gets to that. Eventually we'll get to that. Eventually we'll get to that. If, if, if you sin against God... And you walking in sin and you know God. See, it's different. Don't count it. And even I probably still can count it then, too, because, you know, somebody will say, if you drink and smoke, that's sin. So you're breaking up your body. So I can go there, too. But if we just go on by a Christian person that that knows God and begin to stray and start doing wrong, you're dealing with a conundrum in your mind every day you wake up. It, it, it put a different kind of stress in your life because you know that I'm supposed to be living this way, but I'm living this way. And it brings a stress in your life that you don't need to have. And we know what stress will do eventually. It will mess with your body. So I believe that as a Christian, sin can break you down. And I believe as a non-Christian, if you, you know, you know, whether it's drugs and alcohol and whatever, it breaks down your body as well. So I just think sin will will mess with you in three different dimensions. In your body, it darkens your soul, and it also separates you from God in communication. Genesis chapter 3, let me try to finish this up. Um, verse 12, and the man said, 
the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. That was lame. Brothers, no matter what your wife do, you can't blame her. Just tell you right now, we can't blame our wives for anything. Not before God, because God is going to say, you're the head. You better figure out a way to make things work out. It's just the way it is. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And she and the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. Now, why did the serpent beguile you? Because you disobeyed your husband and God. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. This lead us to believe that the serpent wasn't always crawling on the ground. He was a rat at some point. But when he sinned, the curse was you go on your ground, you go on the ground, and you eat dust. Judgment was pronounced upon all who rebelled against God. Serpent, woman, and man. Everyone who rebel against God will be judged. I don't care how tight we are with God. Everybody who rebel against God will be judged. Verse 15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This tells you that this is where spiritual warfare began. Spiritual warfare. So up until this point, there were no spiritual warfare. It was just um, man giving up his control and the devil having control. But this day after man totally sinned against God, God entered the equation. Spiritual warfare started from this point. Satan had momentarily triumphed over man. But now God entered the conflict from this point on. The opponents would not just be Satan and man, but God entered the equation, which he is, Satan is no contest for him. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yes. And and I always say the devil and the woman. It had nothing to do with the serpent. Right. Serpent was used. The devil and the woman, but I don't truly understand what you mean. I just believe that's just the beginning, so it was it was said that way. Like like the bottom line is you deceive mankind. And so there's always going to be hostility between the devil and mankind unless mankind joining with the devil. So I just believe that it, it's not so much as specific as you probably would look at it. I just think he's just talking about. And, and one of the reasons why he did, you're going to let me jump ahead of my lesson. One of the reasons why he did it was what he's saying is women was going to bring forth children and because you deceive mankind, it was going to be mankind that will take back the authority from you. So he used the woman just because he know what the woman would bring forth. That's one of the things that's so awesome about God. And we miss it sometimes. We get a little frustrated sometimes. We say, well, what does this mean? Well, God can speak things so far ahead because he already know. And so he knew this woman was going to 
have a son, the son was going to come who is God in the flesh, and he was going to take back the, the reins from Satan that man gave up in the garden. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. 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 Well, there's no even guarantee that he was on any legs. He, he could have just shot straight up just the way he was made. I mean, remember, you know, the stiffness of the body of the serpent, you know, he could have just, you know, raise up. I don't know. I mean, you know, we can read into it and think there's legs and all this stuff. I don't know. I'm just saying, I just, we just know somehow he was able to raise up and be erect straight up. And then when the curse came, he went on his belly and, you know, he was in the fields and eating dust and all that stuff. That's what we know. But I can't tell you that he had legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't tell you if he got legs. <laughs> Um, Isaiah 7 and 14, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, I've been saying it and still continue to say, this is where God prophesied that he would one day come as a man, as a human, be born of a virgin um, um, you know, be birthed and grow up and he would be the one. This is why here is something really, really, um, smart that you got to realize. This is why God manifests himself in flesh and he was really God and man at the same time. If he wasn't God and man at the same time, he would have cheated the system. Because remember, it said the seed of the woman would be the one to bruise the head of the devil. So if the woman's seed was not really a, a, a human, then God lied. I'm going to tell you in a second too. So, so this is why we have to accept, and you know, so many people are challenged by this. We have to accept that Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man at the same time because that's the only way he could legitimately um, make the scripture true. If he was just like God and all God, but just happened to be in flesh, then he would have lied. Because he said the, 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 the seed of a woman, the seed of a woman was what was going to bruise the head of Satan. The seed of a woman. So God became the seed of the woman. And so when God, when Jesus walked this earth, he was God almighty and he was human being at the same time. And you know, you know what I keep saying about that. And if that's like, well, I don't understand that. And I will just tell you, just keep on living right. And when the rapture come and we go to heaven, we're going to see him like he is. And there's some things there that we will understand at that time that right now we just can't understand. But, but we got to take his word for what it is. So that's what really happened there because he had to defeat the devil because we wimped out. We punked out and we let the devil just snatch authority from us. And none of us was capable of taking back the authority from him. Only one. 
the almighty God. But he, it would have been unfair if he snatched it back as God because then we could say, oh, that, you know, like the kids like to say, that wasn't fair, God. You know you all powerful. You know you all great. So that was easy. And plus, he didn't cause you to sin, God, so you couldn't do it. So God had to become a man. I hope I didn't lose you. To, to bruise the head means to break the lordship of a ruler. So Satan was the ruler over man because we gave him the, the control. So Jesus says, who is going to break the rulership, the lordship over mankind? None of us was capable of doing it. I sought for man to stand in the gap, but I found none. So God says, it's okay. I love you all. I'm responsible for you all because I created you all. So I'll just become that man. So he was forced to be the man again because he had to rescue us because none of us was capable of rescuing mankind. So to bruise thy head means to break the lordship of a ruler. Jesus Christ himself manifest and did it. To bruise thy heel referred to bitter persecution. So Satan persecuted or should I say he he orchestrated the persecution of Jesus Christ. So Jesus went through persecution, but this was all prophecy. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God will bruise his head, but the devil will bruise his heel. That was just persecution. But God says, I can deal with your small little persecution, but I'm going to take back the authority from you and give it to my people. 16, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. This is big. This is big. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Anybody want to take a stab at what that means? No, y'all probably don't know what it means. Y'all don't know what it means. No, because God didn't call man to rule his wife. So that wasn't it. That wasn't it. Let me tell you what it was. Ivan, let me tell you what it is. Okay. This is what it is. What God was saying was he's going to cause women desire to want to please their man. Not just any man, their husband. This is why it's important that a woman got to be sharp and not get involved with anybody but her husband. Because no matter what you do, woman, somehow if you're dealing with that man in every way intimately, you're going to find yourself giving in to stuff that you don't have control over. Uh, take a seat on that. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't that, oh, he going to rule her. No, 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 no. It wasn't that. It was, and so that scripture taught me so much. Let me tell you another thing that it teaches you. This is why sometimes a woman can stay in an abusive relationship. Because God put that on her to say, you're gonna, your desire will be to please your husband. Will be to want to be with him. That's what your desire is going to be. Why? Because you disobeyed my orders from very beginning. So since you didn't want to listen, now I'm going to cause him to be that thing that you always want to please. And so now we see, you know, it has gone haywire. But the way we can, you know, try to at least control it is to try to make sure there is a bona fide marriage relationship. 
So, you know, I heard a woman said this before, and I, I, I said, amen, sister. She said, you know what? I'm not taking no abuse from nobody but my husband. And she didn't mean that like my husband beat me up. It just means that this is, you know, in relationship, there's going to be challenges, but I'm not going to let no other man take advantage of me. Only my husband will have the opportunity to because that's the only one that I, I should have uh, allegiance to. Y'all get quiet on me. Oh, you should only have a lead, let only your husband you should have allegiance to. And so by having allegiance to your husband, you will find yourself sometimes, you know, you might call it taking advantage of, but it just come down to you just find yourself doing above and beyond sometimes. And you're asking yourself, why am I doing this? He ain't even no good man. <laughs> 17, I'm almost there. And unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened. But sooner or later you're going to wake up like, you know what, dude? You ain't no good. Get out of here. <laughs> but, 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 but you normally put up with a lot of mess before you finally say, you know what? Hit the road, Jack. Because, because of that, because of that curse, that's what usually happened. It take you a while, woman, before you send him, send him on his way. It take you a while. You put up with more mess than you should because of that. But after a while you send him on his way. And unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying thou shalt not eat of it, curse is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Because of Adam, we had to farm and work hard and plant fruit so we can eat. Before that, things just grew and we didn't have to do no work. Thorns also and thistles shall it be, shall, shall it bring forth to thee and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken for thus thou art and art thus shall thou return. And Adam called his wife named Eve because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them? I never forgot the day when the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this. God wants us to dress modestly. You can't get around it. When they sinned, they got fig leaves and cover up what they would call their private parts. But if that was suffice, God would have left them alone. The Bible says, and unto Adam and also his wife, did the Lord God make coats. I didn't know this when I came from Jamaica. I didn't know the difference between a coat and a jacket. I just came from Jamaica. They say, get your coat. I would get one of these. I wouldn't know no better. But then I learned that in America, coat usually means the long thing. And jacket is short thing. The Bible says God made coats. Coats cover you up. Jacket still leaves some things showing. Fig leaves still leave some things showing. Coats cover you up. God is into coverage, not nakedness. I'm just telling you. So we need to be modest in how we dress man and woman. It ain't about no woman thing. It ain't about no man thing. It's a people thing. They both were naked and they both sold fig leaves to cover private parts. And the Lord stepped in and said, "Uh uh-uh, you need a coat. Cover everything up. 
So we understand that God wants us to cover up and not be leaving things hanging out. As a Christian man, Christian woman, try your best to be modest and cover up your stuff. Nobody don't want to see your stuff. I know you might think, you know, your stuff look good. But just leave that for the person that you're married to. And the Lord God said, Behold, a man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and flaming sword which turned away, turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. When I pray for people's home, uh, when, when they buy a home and I go and pray for the home, that's one of the prayers I pray. I say, God, position cherubims at the front door and at the back door and all the windows and let nothing come into this home. Defend this home. Place your cherubims with their flaming sword to defend this family and protect this family. In Jesus' name. Because I read this final judgment was that they were driven out of the garden for good. They were not able to return to eat from the tree of life. So hear what I said. When Eve disobeyed God, she didn't think that they would be put out of the garden. Stop making decisions knowing that is wrong, but calculating the risk and thinking it ain't going to be that bad. She didn't know that her and her husband would be put out of the garden. They might have thought, yeah, you know, God may be upset for a minute. They didn't think they were going to get put out of the garden. The crazy thing is God loved them and still loved them, but he says, you're getting out of this garden. And God is still doing that today. I love you dearly, but you messed this up and you're going to have to pay. We don't know what the payment will be for our sin because we're not the one that is, you know, dishing out the, 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 the repercussions for what we do. So, man, listen, lessen all of the, the, the repercussions, all of what can happen. Try your best to do as least sinning as possible because, man, it's, it's tough to pay for all the stuff that we're doing. The Lord told my oldest son one time that he was going around purchasing sin like he can afford it. Some heavy stuff. I, you know it's the Lord. <laughs> when he told me that, I said, text me all that stuff. I don't know why he's not living for God like he's crazy, like a man with his hair on fire. The Lord said, you're going around purchasing sin like you can afford it. You can't afford them th- that sin. You can't afford it. And, and I say that today just to say the same thing for us. We think that the little bit of sin and the little bit of sin we're doing is not that big of a deal and we can handle it. No, you can't. Only Calvary can handle that stuff. Only Jesus can handle that. So we got to make sure we realize, don't calculate what you think. I'll just do this. God understands. It ain't that bad. Okay. Okay. It just, that day, remember, Adam and Eve didn't die the physical death immediately. Adam lived to 930 years old. He didn't die right away, but he died. And sometimes we do the things and we think, oh, God, it wasn't that bad. The punishment wasn't that. Oh, the punishment didn't come yet. (laughs) Oh, God help us. So do your best to hold to God. That's the end of chapter three. Any questions? Yes? (laughs) 
I don't think it make a difference. I mean, I, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But it's just, it's just the body thing is just, I'm done with it, you know, because this don't mean anything anymore. I'm out of here. You know, the body can do whatever it wants it can do. And if the world is going to be destroyed with fire one day, sooner or later, the mausoleum getting destroyed and everything going to be ashes anyway. Huh? Yeah, but they, it was in the ground still. Mausoleums is not in the ground. Hmm? What, what, what do you mean? Oh, you mean sprinkle their ashes? Yeah, that's what they normally do. They, they, yeah, usually when they send them out to the sea, they they burn they burn them or they throw them in the sea. I just they just rot down there, right? Fish eat them up. Yeah, we mean. Yeah, I, I I understand. I just I just hold to that. Eventually, your your body will just be done and be over with. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how I look at it. But but trust me, I'm not dismissing you. I really understand what you're saying. I don't want to go in no mausoleum. Put me in the ground. I'm good. With it. Yeah, put me in the ground. <laughs> put me in the ground. Huh? What did I say? Burn me? Yeah, don't put me in the mausoleum. But you know what? By the time we get, by the time, if we don't die anytime soon, we might have to go to mausoleums. Just because, you know, all the stuff, all the burying ground probably be all full. And they got to start building, you know, the mausoleum. So who knows? I know. Maybe that's what I need to do is buy my spot now. I might try to be, hey, I might try to be funny and, and go get my burying ground over in Israel. Don't mess with me. <laughs> Bury me in Israel, in Jerusalem. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> mm-hmm. Listen, I don't leave anything out. I said, we don't know about it because we didn't live, but. If, dinos- if there is evidence that dinosaurs existed, then God created them. We, we, we can't be getting into, you know, they exist- God created them. You know, you know what we have to do as Christians? There are just some things we're not going to be able to explain. We, we, don't have to, we don't have to worry about it if we can't explain it. You know, we're just going to be sometimes, we just can't explain it. You know, and, and guess what? The Bible says we live by faith, not by sight. And so if I'm living by faith, I completely trust God. And there's some things about God I can't explain to you. Yeah, we know that. But what I'm saying is, you know, who do we know how many generations go back that said they saw a dinosaur? We don't know. So that's the problem. You know, that's why it's a, that's why it's an issue because they're saying, well, I've never seen dinosaur. Well, if they found the bones that they, they existed, I don't know who saw it, but they existed. Huh? No, if everything that was created, no one named them. It was back there. Remember, it was listed under beast of the field. When God created, he, 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 when it says he created animals and beast, 
dinosaurs come on the beast. So beast covered a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, beasts cover a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Anything else? Some people want to go home. Some people still want to talk. Yes? What do you got? What do you got? Sister Yvonne? 